Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, where I will be covering the fantasy premier league how it works uh different aspects of approaching strategy so that even a novice uh, listening to this podcast edition will become more adept at actually managing their roster and things to look out for so they can uh, be successful in whatever league they decide to pursue so obviously uh this is going to be based off of the uh, official uh, Premier League uh, Fantasy League, so this will be at fantasy.premierleague.com uh, Basically, for those of you who've never played uh, the Fantasy Premier League game before uh, you are essentially drafting your own fantasy team based off of the real life rosters in the Premier League uh, and with that being said, uh, you know, with uh, the top flight in England having a number of English players and some of the top international players being broadcast on NBC Sports, there's going to be plenty of coverage available to watch the games throughout the year. Now, for those of you who are not aware of it, uh, the season is long. It's one of the longest uh, seasons you'll ever come across just because, uh, you know, similar to baseball, uh, you've got a season that stretches um, over half the year and, you know, it's it can be a grind at times, but with uh, the guide, uh, the help of this guide, uh, you should be well on your way. So, to, for starters, uh, you know to take you through from the beginning of uh, August here, well into May. Uh, here's some of the caveats you need to know about the league. Uh, in terms of what you do for your fantasy squad, you're going to start out with a hundred million pound budget. Uh, to spend on any player in the Premier League. Uh, the caveat has to be that, A, you have to fill out your squad with 15 players, and B, you also have to address uh, the fact that you can't select more than uh, three players uh, from one uh, squad in the Premiership. They all have different salary numbers, so uh, we'll get into that as well in terms of strategy. But also at the uh, crux of it is the fact that you can only start 11 players each week uh, and that's including the goaltender so in terms of uh, what you should do in terms of the player selections uh, the strategy involved uh, we'll get into all that in terms of uh, how you want to budget your money because again uh, this comes into uh, yes it's a fantasy game but it's also a, a fun economics game because you're always trying to manage your budget and trying to see which players are going to retain their value, which ones are going to gain value, uh, who you can uh, swap in and out for. So unlike traditional fantasy games that you would come across in the U.S., you are not making trades with other teams. So uh, just because you may have drafted poorly, uh, you know, you can still make up for 
uh, an initial starting squad that doesn't work in the Premiership. It's just the fact that you try not to do it. So, uh, to kind of give you an overview of this, uh, the initial game week uh, that's starting up on next Friday, uh, you can make unlimited transfers uh, from now until then. Uh, once you hit uh, the initial game week, though, you are limited to one transfer a week. So, uh, what are uh, some of the things you have to keep in mind? A... Uh, the initial, like I said, the initial budget is 100 million pounds, so you can't over exceed your money value uh, uh, by uh, by whatever amount uh, that you have left in your bank account uh, once the season starts. So you know, preseason, you can make as many transfers as you want up uh, uh, just the, uh, with the 100 million pound budget, uh, but you know, again, you can only carry. 11 starters each game week so you want to keep some level of balance in your squad because even if you uh, pick a top heavy squad with uh, the best strikers you know it won't do you a whole ton of good if the rest of your bench is complete hot garbage so uh, let's go into the scoring format here just because I think this also confuses people as well in terms of uh, what they should be focusing on so uh, Basic uh, scoring rules for uh, Fancy Premier League are as follows. Uh, you know, getting into the game counts. Uh, you know, if you don't play at all, I mean, you're not going to get any points. Uh, so, uh, essentially, uh, getting any playing time uh, nets you one point. Now, if you play more than 60 minutes, you're going to get two points. Uh, goal scored, which is always something that you want to have, uh, varies by position. Uh, you know, defenders that score goals just because it's so rare, you're, you're going to get six points. Uh, each goal scored by a midfielder is worth five points. Goal scored by forwards, who you would typically associate with uh, being the primary goal scorers on each team, get four points. Every assist gets three points, no matter the position uh, the player plays on a team. So even a goalkeeper can get an assist if it's a long enough pass. Uh, in terms of defensive uh points a uh, uh, you can get uh you know clean sheets uh so that would be uh, no uh, no goals conceded uh and uh for the clean sheet uh, characteristic to kick in the player's got to play uh 60 minutes so again if you're a late sub and it's a clean sheet uh you're not going to get uh the four points involved for a clean sheet uh now clean sheets uh, for other position players is just limited to midfielders uh, so forwards don't get the benefit of a clean sheet just because again their primary focus is scoring goals they're, they're not going to get bonus points uh, for uh, having a clean sheet so uh, you got uh, you got the clean sheets aspect to it now in terms of goalkeepers uh, you know saves account for points as well so every three shots saved you get a point there uh, if you make a save on a penalty kick, you get five points. So uh, that, in a nutshell, uh, wraps up uh, most of the scoring aspects. Now, the uh, other pieces that come into play here would be bonus points that are awarded to uh, the men of the match. Uh, and it could be on the losing side as well. It just depends on uh, the characteristics that they do. So uh, the bonus points can be... Uh, one, two, or three for the three players of the match. 
that uh, the fantasy system scores as being the most productive players in a match. So typically, this would go to the goal scores more often than not. And if you had a couple, uh, an assist or two along the way, uh, that would also factor into uh, play there. Now, uh, there are ways where players can actually lose points. So uh, these are scenarios where you can actually lose points. So uh, if you're a goalkeeper defender, again, this is uh, basically uh, because your primary job is to prevent goals. Uh, so every two goals conceded by a goalkeeper and or his defender, it's minus one. If you get a yellow card uh, for a rash challenge, uh, a penalty aggressive deemed by the referee, that's minus one. If you get a red card, it is minus three. And, of course, with a red card, you're going to get suspended. So that would be very bad for fantasy purposes because you're stuck without that player for a while. Uh, if you uh, cause an own goal, that's minus two. And if you miss a penalty kick, that's also minus two. So, uh, you know, there are other aspects to this as well uh, where uh, you can also captain a player on the team. Uh, captains get double the points for a particular game week. So you can get the benefit of uh, the points scored being doubled. And, yeah, if you happen to captain a player who misses a penalty kick, that negative also gets doubled. So uh, there's a, a whammy aspect to it as well. So uh, in terms of other dynamics to keep in mind, uh yeah, again, uh, beyond the captain, uh, you can wild card your team, which basically allows you to do wholesale changes of your squad and uh, transfer, uh, transfer players in and out without penalty uh, week to week. You can also uh, do a triple captain, which will triple your captain's points versus uh, doubling them. Uh, this would only be once a, a season that you could do this. You could also play... The bench boost, which allows you to uh, get all your bench points. Again, these are only aspects that you can play once a year a season. So, you know, you would have to choose wisely. So, typically, uh, aspects like the triple captain or the uh, bench boost, you would only use in scenarios where uh, you could get maximize your point valuation. So, uh, those would be the rare opportunities where, because of scheduling conflicts, you get, you get a team that has two games in a single week. So, yeah, you get a chance for guys to have uh, uh, exposure to a game twice and, you know, a chance to rack up uh, points in both games. So that's uh, where you see scenarios where uh, those uh, chips should be played. Now, I talked about this uh, before. Uh, you know, you can, get, you can get a guy red carded, but, you know, injuries uh, can happen as well in uh, Fantasy Premier League. So... Uh, what happens when uh, you get players injured or suspended? I mean, basically, you know, like anything else in the fantasy league, uh, you're evaluating what the player can do for you uh, down the road. So if they're going to be out for two, three weeks or more, then, yeah, it's a case where you're probably going to have to uh, figure out a way of getting them off your squad uh, just because it's uh, the amount of time you're going to be missing that's a lot of points you could be missing out on, especially if it's a top player. If it's a bench player uh, that uh, you're keeping for salary cap reasons uh, to manage it, then yeah, they, you can live without that player. It's just a matter of 
taking the hit to your roster depth than anything else. But if it's a one of your key contributors, then yeah, you're gonna be in a spot where you're gonna need to make a move uh, just to kind of make uh, make sense of it all. So uh, I'm gonna start getting into the actual players themselves. So in terms of the first position, I'm gonna look at uh, we're gonna look at the goalkeepers. So uh, with uh, the fantasy Premier League, uh, you know, like I said, it's a 15-man roster, but you gotta have two goalkeepers on your roster. So uh, uh, two ways of going about this uh, in terms of strategy. Uh, one is you pick up uh, the top end a goalkeeper, and you keep a, a bench player goalkeeper. So realistically, you are not going to bench your top goalkeeper unless for some reason uh, they're not playing uh, in a given week uh, just because of scheduling reasons. So you're just going to ride that one goalkeeper and look to keep the cheapest uh, goalkeeper option available uh, as your backup uh, j- uh, just uh, just in case of emergency uh, y- uh, you keep uh, that other goaltender. Uh, but uh, realistically, there's not much else... Uh, uh, that you'd be using with that backup goalkeeper. Now, another way of going about it would be uh, a case where you're taking two uh, goalkeepers uh, that are either on the same squad and uh, could uh, legitimately have uh, a chance of starting, or two goalkeepers whose schedules overlap each other where one guy's at home uh, one week whereas the other guy's uh, on the road that same week and then vice versa so that you always play a goalkeeper uh, that has a home matchup. Uh, that strategy tends to get a little bit more complicated. Uh, I've used it in the past but it, it, it can get complicated uh, throughout the year because sometimes you'll just have a case where yeah you got a goalkeeper playing at home but the, if the team's struggling defensively they're going to give up a goal no matter where they're playing. So, uh, you know, there's all different ways of kind of going about it. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's a case of, like, what you feel most comfortable with. So uh, just in terms of breaking down the players that you can kind of keep a look uh, a look at uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the most expensive goalkeeper you can get is David De Gea of Manchester United, uh, you know, Every time De Gea gets linked to a transfer elsewhere, he, you know, he seems to keep playing better uh, for uh, United. Uh, I mean, he has been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League for at least three seasons now, without question. Uh, you know, he's gonna again. He's gonna be the most expensive uh, goalkeeper option again this year. Uh, so he's at six million pounds, and. You know, it's uh, the fact that uh, a case where, uh, you know, what do you do otherwise? Uh, You know, in terms of, like, uh, the other uh, top goalkeeper that you could probably get uh, would be Ederson at Manchester City. Uh, You know, the defending Premier League champions. uh, City just conceded so few goals that, you know, it's it's a good chance that Ederson at five and a half million uh, it's also someone that gets prominently featured just because you get to save that extra half mil for 
another uh, potential player uh, that you try to squeeze in under the cap. So uh, that's a possibility. Uh, the issue about taking Ederson, though, is that you've got so many attacking options on Manchester City, and because their defenders can also score goals uh, uh, with the likes of Vincent Company, you know, do you really want to have uh, a goalkeeper taking up one of your roster spots uh, when you can use that on a couple of offensive players on Manchester City who uh, uh, led the Premier League in scoring and set all uh, new records for the Premier League in total goal scored. So, again, these are things you can debate about. Uh, other options uh, at that $5.5 million range include uh, Thibaut Courtois for Chelsea. Again, another person linked to transfer rumors. Uh, Hugo Lloris of Tottenham. Uh, you know, another very good goalkeeper. Expensive as well. Uh, you know, all four of these options are guys who are uh, going to be at the top of the goalie rankings at, at the end of the year, provided that they don't uh, transfer out to another uh, uh, soccer club uh, in a different league. Now, in terms of m more, I wouldn't even say budget uh, goalkeepers. Uh, I would say more mid-tier goalkeepers just because... Uh, a lot of the goalkeepers are priced right around uh, five mil, so it's like either you go from five mil to five and a half to six mil. Uh, so uh, there, are, uh, there's less variance uh, in the goalkeeper ranks, and given the amount of guys that you can get in so many other positions, uh, you're better off just kind of making your choice in goalkeeper, and uh, then uh, deciding on uh, some of these other uh, position players. But uh, in the mid-range, uh, you've got uh, Nick Pope or Tom Heaton. They both play on Burnley. They're also uh, were playing extremely well. Uh, you know, it, it's a case where they're both going to be battling for the job. So I could easily see a scenario where uh, uh, one of these guys gets the job and then people transfer into the guy who gets the starting job uh, and the other guy gets uh, dropped uh, completely. So, uh, you know... Teams might be staying off of uh, both goalkeepers until they figure out who gets uh, the starting gig at Burnley. Uh, then there's Jordan Pickford at Everton, who's also at 5 mil. Uh, you know, decent keeper uh, should have uh, some value, but uh, I question Everton's defensive uh, capabilities this year uh, just because they, they have... Uh, they, they are certainly at risk of giving up a ton of goals. Speaking of giving up goals, uh, we've got Arsenal's uh, goal-keeping uh, duo of uh, the long-established Premier League vet uh, Peter Cech and Bernlino. Uh, they're both at 5 mil. Arsenal's defense is still questionable as anything you can imagine. Uh, I would stay off of Arsenal, to be perfectly honest. Uh, there's not even a question of I, I, I just wouldn't trust them. Uh, other uh, keepers uh, to bear in mind would be Newcastle's Martin Dubrovka. Uh, you know, again, I would stay away from uh, outside of the Burnley keepers. I, I'm not that sold on a ton of keepers here of paying 5 mil. If I'm paying that much, I might as well get a uh, 
like I said, I might as well get one of the top tier guys and live with uh, paying the extra five, uh, half a mil to a mil. Uh, just because uh, Newcastle did not really invest a whole lot of money into uh, their uh, back line. So I'm, I'm not entirely sold on uh, so many five mil goalkeepers, but uh, that's just my opinion. Now, in terms of uh, the uh, player that I would kind of look at in terms of saving money in goalkeeper, I would look at Lucas Fabianski, uh, four and a half mil. And, you know, yes, his uh, prior employers at Swansea City were relegated, but he was not the reason why Swansea City got relegated. He kept them in it far more than they had any right to. Swansea made their own bed with some awful, awful roster decisions uh, in the last three years alone. Uh, but, uh, you know, Fabianski has landed at uh, West Ham. Uh, you know, West Ham has had their issues, uh, especially in the last 18 months. But I will say that Fabianski is on the best roster he's been, uh, he's been in place on in uh, two and a half years. Uh, probably three years so i i would say for fabianski's sake uh you know if he puts up uh, the performance he did last year he should be in a far better position i mean he was near the top of the goalie rankings last year just because of how much danger swansea put him in week after week i mean he made a ton of saves so and saved a bunch of penalties too so i i would say that fabianski would be uh probably my choice uh for uh, budget goalkeeper uh, to keep in mind uh, you know it it just uh, makes it a lot easier uh, uh, with uh, uh, Fabianski uh, in that uh, as the budget goalkeeper now in terms of uh, other keepers to keep in mind uh, you've got uh, uh, Begovic at Bournemouth you got Wayne Hennessy at Crystal Palace uh, these are all in the four and a half range. Uh, so uh, that would be along the lines of guys that I would kind of uh, keep my eye out on uh, in terms of uh, managing it. Uh, you know, in terms of a uh, couple of other guys you could take a look at, uh, Fraser Forster is in the mix at four and a half, uh, as well as Alex McCarthy. You know, there, there are guys that are available uh, in the budget range. So I would say, you know, stick with four and a half mil keeper and then you can go top tier with uh, uh, getting De Gea or you can go uh, along the lines of Courtois, uh, you know, transfer rumors all side uh, or Lloris, you know, those would be uh, my suggestions. Uh, uh, just kind of keep in mind for the uh, goalkeeper uh, position. So moving on, we've got defense and you know this is where you kind of have to uh, do some uh, logistical math here uh, to manage it because you've got to have uh, five defenders on the roster and more often than not that initial squad that you're picking out you're going to try to save money with that fifth defender spot just because chances are you're not going to use all five defenders uh, I mean unless you are truly in a desperate position due to injuries 
but you're not going to use all five defenders uh, in the game week. So that fifth defender pretty much becomes useless uh, in most cases, I would say. Uh, you're using that fifth defender spot just to soak up uh, cash just to justify uh, uh, the roster spot. So uh, what a lot of managers end up doing is they take a $4 million player, which is pretty much the bottom of uh, what defenders would cost in uh, the Fantasy Premier League game. So a couple of guys you can look at. Uh, there's... Uh, uh, there's Ryan Bennett. Uh, you know, he just got the recent call up uh, with uh, uh, Wolverhampton. Uh, that's uh, got newly promoted to the Premier League. Uh, he uh, he's he's played quite a bit now with uh, Wolves making so many acquisitions for um, <laughs> the Portuguese leagues. It's a there's a there's a chance that uh, uh, Bennett could be out of rotation, but. Again, with this uh, fifth spot, you're not necessarily counting on these guys to play regularly. Uh, but, you know, you're just trying to find someone who can uh, play often enough to, to make it uh, um, make it worthwhile. Uh, there's also Lee uh, Peltier at Cardiff City. Another guy in the championship who played a ton of minutes and should be playing uh, consistently as well. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, other... Uh, salary fodder positions. Uh, you got uh, Memba on Newcastle. Again, didn't play all that often. Uh, might be transferred out just because he's not playing all that often. But you're just trying to find guys that can uh, settle up uh, in the in the mix of uh, uh, guys who can uh, soak up uh, that last spot. Now, in terms of uh, guys that you would actually be looking to uh, uh, play often uh, would be the four and a half million uh, uh, group, uh, which is uh, essentially guys that uh, you know aren't really going to be that great in terms of defense uh, defenders, but they, they'll play well enough uh, to at least uh, st uh, start most of the games throughout the season, and you know may surprise you every now and then with. Uh, uh, some decent weeks uh, where they score po uh, significant points uh, by way of goal or clean sheet. So uh, you got uh, Shane Duffy, uh, Bournemouth, you got Lachelle at uh, Newcastle, Agazi, uh, Kyle Naughton, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, going to be the Stephen Ward to the world. Uh, these are all guys uh, that, you know, not going to be, uh, you know, significant but you know they, they can be uh competent uh so like i said uh shane duffy uh uh loose dunk uh, i mean they're like a they're a backline tandem at uh, brighton that should be playing consistently so uh you know it, it they uh, they did uh uh they did not score a goal last year but you know based on some of the stats i looked at uh by and large, they probably should have scored a goal. It's more of a fact that they were not very good at converting chances. But, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's a case where, you know, at $4.5 million, you're not exactly counting on these guys uh, to be your point getters. You you just need to soak up that roster spot. 
uh, and keep the salary down low enough. So uh, those are other guys uh, to take a look at. Uh, you know, Charlie Daniels, you know, another stalwart at the cheap budget de- uh, uh, defenseman price because uh, Charlie Daniels can go out on the tack and, uh, and create chances and score goals. So uh, those would be uh, guys uh, that you can uh, take a look at as well. So uh, I would say that, uh, you know, uh, one of the aspects uh, that you can uh, take a look at in terms of uh, other players uh, would be going along the lines of you also can look at uh, Jose Holabas uh, at Watford, Kiko Firmina. You know, these are two really attack-minded wing backs. I mean, they, they're slide as defensive uh, backs, but they're really wing backs in Watford's system. Uh, the only thing with Watford is that it's a revolving door of managers and players. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the final starting 11 looks like for Watford. But those would be two other options at $4.5 million that you can uh, take a look at. Moving on to the mid-price uh, defenders, uh, you know, we, so we're talking five million and up. You've got to look at Liverpool here. Uh, you got Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, you know, very interesting uh, uh, character in terms of young uh, prospect uh, with Liverpool. A lot of hype surrounding him. Wouldn't be surprised he's if he's the most owned defender by the start of the season uh just because at five million yeah he has goal scoring potential with liverpool uh you got a liverpool team that was uh, very good uh defensively surprisingly last year uh but uh alexander arnold is klopp's uh, uh jurgen klopp uh, the manager of liverpool uh, he's his favorite choice in that back line so to me uh Alexander Arnold uh, makes a ton of sense. Uh, you've you've got uh, Andrew Robertson and Virgil Van Dyke, uh, both at six million. Uh, it's a very cheap option uh, to uh, be in the mix. Uh, you know the only other caveat uh, with uh, Liverpool's uh, defense is the fact that Nathaniel Klein supposedly is going to uh, be back healthy. Uh, this season uh, to start the year. So uh, he could also uh, uh, be in the mix at right back. Uh, but uh, I would say Alexander Arnold probably is going to be uh, the most owned guy. It just because, uh, you know, anytime you're on a top squad, you're going to be expected to concede uh, less goals than uh, the mid tier clubs and the bottom feeding clubs. Uh, I shouldn't say bottom feeding, but I would say lower end of the table clubs. Uh, uh, the, the relegation uh, fighting, uh, relegation battling clubs. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, anytime you're on a top squad and you're under $6 million, uh, people are just going to gravitate towards you. It's just a uh, matter, matter of fact of just uh, nature, especially when... Uh, that person is uh, likely to be a starter on uh, the squad. So uh, there you go. Uh, Other folks to take a look at, uh, uh, Ryan Bertrand uh, with Southampton, you know, it's just, 
you know, Southampton was just so underwhelming last year. I just have to look look at it from the standpoint of they just had a manager who was uh, a complete misfit uh, with uh, the squad. I, I think with uh, just a year removed from Pellegrino, uh, that squad should be better. I know uh, Cedric uh, Soares uh, being at $4.5 million, uh, is also another option to get into Southampton. But Bertrand's a really solid player, so at $5 million, uh, I I wouldn't uh, be averse to folks taking a gamble on him. Uh, other folks at the five million tier, uh, you look at Burnley's entire back line. So you got Loden, Ward, Me, Tarkowski. They're all five mil. Uh, Burnley is just one of those uh, teams that plays a defensive style. Uh, you know they may not always get the clean sheet, but you're rarely going to see Burnley get blown out where they're giving up multiple goals so uh that's usually one of the safer teams uh to have at least one backline player uh from uh, that squad uh harry mcguire uh has jumped up the ranks uh you know lester center back uh basically got into prominence uh with uh, during england's run uh in the world cup uh you know mcguire big guy uh, can get up in the air uh, decent enough on headers, uh, you know. He uh, basically uh, was uh, Leicester City's uh, uh, biggest scoring contributors towards the back end of the season because he, he could just get to the ball in the penalty box. Uh, so any type type of set piece uh, made him very dangerous. So uh, I'm not surprised to see McGuire at five and a half. Uh, definitely someone that. Uh, uh, could be uh, in the mix there, uh, even though I'm not that sold on Southampton's uh, backline, even though they technically won, and I mean that in the loosest way possible, won the Johnny Evans sweepstakes uh, for the most overrated defender in the Premier League, but that's a, that's a case for another time, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, uh, other guys that would be mid-tier Defenders that you can take a look at, uh, Mamadou Sako uh, at Crystal Palace, 5 mil. Uh, you know, doesn't really have goal-scoring options like his partner, Patrick Van Anholt, who's at 5.5 million. Hence the reason why he's at 5.5, uh, because Van Anholt, uh, you know, can definitely get himself into trouble uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, stopping players and can get burned. But he has the potential of scoring goals. So uh, I, I look at Van Anhold as a, a guy who can uh, definitely uh, be uh, productive uh, this season again for Crystal Palace just because of the, their playing style and the fact that they're probably going to be uh, one of those teams in the mix where they're, uh, they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, be, be active uh, – but at the same time, score goals. Uh, uh, so Crystal Palace is going to be one of those teams that I think are going to be training goals back and forth. So, again, I wouldn't be looking at uh, Van Anholt for clean sheets. I'd be looking at him for uh, getting assists and scoring some goals during the year. Uh, you know, uh, also in that five-and-a-half tier, uh, long-time stalwarts in the Premier League, you've got Seamus Coleman and Leighton Baines, uh, you know, Everton, I think, is going to be 
a far better squad uh, with Marco Silva, uh, you know, long rumored to be the next manager of Everton uh, to the chagrin of uh, Hull City, uh, who basically uh, uh, made him persona non grata uh, because of his initial interest in the position. I, I mean, not Hull City, jeez. Uh, this is where sometimes I, I get myself out of. Marco Silva was the manager of Hull City. Then he went to Watford. Watford then fired uh, Marco Silva because they cited the fact that Marco Silva may have been interested in the Everton job that he should have, you know, told him flat out, no, I'm not interested, even though it is a markedly bigger step up going to uh, Everton than, you know, from Watford. But anyway, uh, moving on, just because I know uh, i got to keep this moving. Uh, you got the potential to uh, sign more Arsenal players. So Nacho Monreal at $5.5 million. Uh, Nacho is more likely to play less than 15 games in the Premier League than he is to... Uh, uh, I mean... Honestly, I can't recommend Nacho Monreal in any circumstance. A, for Arsenal's own defensive woes. Uh, they'll be better this year now that Arsene Wenger's retired, but I can't give any Arsenal defenders a consideration uh, with the number of options available uh, this year in defense. I, I just think there are way too many other guys you can take a look at. Uh, now, moving on into the $6 million range, uh, you've got uh, uh, Manchester United, Chris Molling, and Ashley Young. Uh, you know, again, uh, they're at six million. De Gea is at six million. I probably would just take De Gea uh, than taking uh, some of these uh, Man United defenders, but uh, that's just me. Uh, other folks may uh, differ. Uh, you got Phil Jones, Bayali, Marcus Rojo. Uh, at fa a $5.5 million. You know, I don't trust Jose Mourinho to be consistent with NAD starters. That's why I would say just stick with David De Gea uh, to be on the same uh, to safe side. Uh, if you're looking at Spurs, Vertonghen at $6 million makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, it's just that Vertonghen is, uh, at this stage of his career, is uh, getting up there in age. Uh, he's more of an injury risk. Uh, I'm not entirely sold on uh, Trippier and Ben Davies just because uh, Tottenham has a ton of roster depth. Uh, I think that they're uh, more at risk of rotation than most other defensive back lines uh, just because Pochettino likes to shake things up uh, in terms of uh, his lineup. So uh, that would be a concern, uh, a significant concern in my opinion. So that takes us uh, to the six and, uh, six and a half tier. Uh, you know, in terms of these players, you got uh, Cesar Aspilicueta and Mar Marcos Alonso of Chelsea. You know, both guys can put up points in bunches. They, they're they the top two defenders th that I would look at. Uh, you got Nicholas Otamendi at uh, Manchester City. 
Uh, not the sco goal-scoring threat, but City put up a ton of clean sheets last year. Uh, you got Kyle Walker, uh, who has more of an attacking threat at Manchester City. Plus, again, they put up a lot of clean sheets. And Antonio Valencia has uh, attacking potential at Manchester United uh, just because of he he's not really... Uh, a defender. He's more of a wing back, uh, he, so he plays more like a midfielder. So uh, you got a out of position uh, type of benefit there uh, with him. But you know, I kind of look at this as a case where uh, you know, as Quetta and Alonso would be uh, one of those two uh, would be the options to go with uh, uh, being priced that high uh, at six and a half. Uh, so if you're going with one of those guys, you're going to need a couple of budget defenders uh, just so you uh, you don't overstretch your budget uh, and you can't afford uh, some of the better midfielders and forwards uh, uh, down the line. So moving on, we're going to look at the midfield. You know, in terms of the bottom tier, uh, you know, at $4.5 million, you're just looking at, you know, anyone that can take one midfielder as a bench father. And if they play occasionally, great. But you're not necessarily looking at the uh, five, uh, the fifth midfielder as a guy that you would need to be starting week in, week out. So, with that being said, I would say... Uh, you know, at the four and a half million tier, you got finally an Arsenal player I can mention. Uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles. Uh, Maitland Niles is a player that uh, uh, can uh, be useful in uh, this aspect. At four and a half million, you know, it's a case where uh, you can uh, you can actually use him. Uh, in this uh, spot to just be bench fodder and uh, he can actually be productive certain weeks other weeks he's just not going to play uh, but uh, that is you're just kind of looking at upside potential uh, another option is Arthur uh, Masu Masuaku uh, he's a wing back at West Ham uh, you know he's uh, again uh, with him being a wing back uh, you can actually uh, be, uh, you know, he was a defender last year, but, you know, I, I can actually uh, look at this, uh, uh, look, look at this as uh, uh, a case where, yeah, even though he's no longer classified as a defender, so you don't get the added bonus of a potential defensive score, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he uh, uh, won't necessarily be considered like a bonus player uh, because now he's just just another midfielder, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's a, a case to say don't take him because, again, you're just looking for upside at this point when you're uh, selecting this low on the totem pole for midfielders, uh, given that you can get midfielders that are over 12 million uh, again this year. 
Uh, when you're going four and a half million for a midfielder, you're basically scraping the bottom of the barrel. So anything you get is golden. Uh, Aaron, so like it's uh, going into it, another person, Aaron Gunnarsson. Uh, you know, he's a guy. You know, you might have heard his name during the World Cup for Iceland. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's going to be on Cardiff City. You know, he's not. Uh, He's not uh, a guy that's going to score your points. Uh, he's uh, basically going to be a holding midfielder who can get you the occasional assist. Uh, he's actually pretty good at throwing um, uh, at headers, uh, as shown in the World Cup. Uh, and also uh, in Euro t uh, 2016, in that game against England. Uh, you know, again, at $4.5 million uh, for... Uh, you know, a midfielder, you're not really going to get that much. Uh, the last guy I would mention at the $4.5 tier is, you know, Jason Punchin, who was absolutely dreadful last year. <laughs> so, again, I only say this as, you know, you could throw out a flyer on him and maybe, uh, maybe something clicks, but... Punching was dreadful last year before he got injured for the rest of the season at Crystal Palace. But uh, in his prime, Punching could put up uh, some nice gold figures for you at the end of the year. Uh, so he, he was uh, productive. Uh, now the issue uh, here is Punching is coming off an injury and he's 32 years old. You know, not exactly uh, a guy that uh, is going to do a whole lot uh for you but as a punt opportunity where you know you're just throwing a flyer on them and hope that it sticks i mean there are worse things in the world now uh coming up at the five million bracket i think this is uh, one of the guys that should be on pretty much everyone's uh, roster uh that's ruben nevis at, at uh, uh wolverhampton uh wolves uh, for sure uh you know portuguese uh international player and very good technical player. Uh, you know, he's actually going to be uh, one of those guys that isn't playing that uh, forward. Uh, he's going to be more of a holding midfielder. But he has uh, one of those uh, aspects where uh, he can actually uh, do a number of uh, items. So he's a good passer, a good outside uh, ball striker. So... You know, outside the box, he can actually put pressure on teams. Uh, just getting the uh, ball inside the box for header opportunities, uh, putting uh, putting on decent strikes outside the box. I actually like Nevis at the five million bracket as what uh, that's that. You know, either he's your fifth midfielder uh, or your fourth midfielder. I think having a guy that is versatile in that five million bracket is critical especially in your early roster when you're trying to figure out uh, who's going to be uh, someone that you can actually use uh, uh, on the roster and, you know, save money. Other guys, you know, at the $5 million tier, uh, you got Marron Fellaini. Yes, I know he's not that good, but it doesn't matter what I may think of him or what you may think of Fellaini. Jose Mourinho... Actually, uh, uh, looks at Fellaini as a valuable member of Manchester United. 
and that's all that matters. And the fact that Fellaini actually did well for Belgium at the World Cup is just going to increase the finger wagging. So Fellaini's going to play in spurts at United, even though he may be coming off the bench. You know, again, at the 5 million tier, you're looking at a guy who can uh, get you some points. And a Herrera, while being better than Fellaini, is also a guy who's going to be at risk of getting rotated out uh, consistently. So uh, those are two options from United that you can take a look at. Uh, guys who would be playing regularly, even though they're not scoring points for you, uh, would be uh, the deep-holding midfielders at Chelsea. So N'Golo Conte, uh, you know, of uh, Leicester fame and, uh, you know, still finding his feet at Chelsea where, you know, folks are not used to midfielders who do not score goals. But uh, Jorginho is going to join Conte this year as the other holding midfielder. Uh, Jorginho not uh, going to be a goal scorer either uh, because that wasn't his job at uh, Napoli last year either. Uh, you know, it's just he's going to hold the ball just like Conte, and they're going to use that to pivot uh, into the offensive end. So uh, that's really what it's going to come down to. Uh, uh, sorry, the new uh, manager for Chelsea is unlikely to rotate these two. So uh, I expect them to, you know, at the very least, just cash in uh, their three points when Chelsea gets a, a clean sheet, and that'll be the end of it. Uh you know, other guys. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, the case of uh, uh, you can look at Musa Dembele at Spurs, uh, Victor Wanyama. You know, all possibilities, but eh, uh, like they're also at risk of a lot of rotation. So I'm not entirely sold on uh, uh, what can uh, what can be done there. Uh, you know, I know some people are going to be taking a punt on Jack Wilshere, who is one of the most overrated players in the last decade, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's finally off of Arsenal, but uh, he can't move. So I don't understand how folks are looking at Jack Wilshere, thinking that he's going to do a whole lot. Uh, I think uh, this move to West Ham is going to be very much like uh, Jack Wilshere at Bournemouth. He can't move anymore. You know, the injuries have taken its toll, uh, and he didn't take good care of his body. So I don't literally see him doing all that much uh, uh, to uh, make himself a, a legitimate option. So, uh, you know, in terms of other players uh, you can move on to, uh, we've got the 5.5 million area for midfielders. I would say... Uh, Gerard Del Feu uh, is someone you can look at at Watford. Uh, you know, again, you're looking at guys who can score goals. Uh, Del Feu, uh, you know, even though he is extremely inconsistent. I, I mean, should have gone to Barcelona, but hey, when Barcelona calls, I get it. You take that phone call. But uh, that year wasted at Barcelona did not help his development at all coming to Watford you know you start to see the sparks again with him playing regularly so uh, I'd say that's a uh, potential there now in terms of the five and a half million tier again you're not gonna be seeing a whole lot of uh, 
guys that are going to be doing uh, a bunch for you. Uh, Robbie Brady at Burnley is an option uh, just because he can do set pieces. Now, depends on if Brady's going to be healthy, but uh, again, uh, that's someone uh, you can take a look at. Uh, in terms of uh, another guy you can uh, view at this uh, price point would be Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Uh, you know, he played uh, well in spurts at uh, Crystal Palace, uh, so uh, that would be an option uh, uh, to uh, take a look at it in terms of uh, uh, moving on uh, uh, at this uh, uh, tier because it uh, you know, at this case, you have to kind of uh, balance yourself with uh, get, getting at least uh, uh, some uh, some production out of your midfield uh, w once you uh, kind of go down this uh, path. So, uh, I would say don't do more than two midfielders under six million. Uh, outside of that, uh, you know, you're really uh, risking returns by going that cheap so uh in terms of uh the other midfielders to take a look at uh let's move on to the six million dollar bracket because this is where things uh, get interesting all right so when we're talking about the uh getting up there in the price bracket uh, this is where you're going to make your meat and potatoes in terms of uh, your fantasy squad because you need production out of these guys uh, if you're going to put up points uh, in fantasy consistently throughout the season. So uh, this six to seven, uh, seven and a half million bracket, uh, that's where uh, you're really going to need to uh, make some gains here. So hopefully I can uh, spot out a couple of uh, options that make, uh, make sense here. So in terms of uh, guys that... Uh, might uh, be on uh, some rosters. You got Fred and Fabinho both at six million. Uh, given the fact that uh, Fabinho is a good uh, penalty taker, he might actually get some free kicks and spot kicks uh, when he factors in to uh, uh, Liverpool squad. Now the question is, you know, Mo Salah does pretty much take those duties at Liverpool. So it kind of depends on, uh, you know, how Fabinho looks in practice if Klopp uh, actually wants to put him in the starting 11. And then, of course, you know, if Salah's willing to concede. Salah tends to be one of those uh, more reasonable guys, so I can see Salah actually conceding to Fabinho on occasion. Uh, but uh, that's an option at $6 million that you can uh, uh, look at. Now, in terms of guys that I would probably have in my roster, uh, Luka Milivojevic, jeez, uh, it's hard to pronounce that name. Milivojevic uh, is, uh, at Crystal Palace, is one guy I would take a strong look at. Uh, $6.5 million, uh, I mean, in terms of Crystal Palace, you know, it's not an offensive juggernaut by any means, but uh, Milivojevic uh, takes the spot kick duties uh, pretty uh, pretty much all of last year. Uh, now, I think uh, the fact that uh, Milivojevic uh, benefited as much as he did from spot kicks slightly hurts his value this year uh, just because, you know, it is hard to replicate getting uh, spot kick duties in uh, premier spots, penalty kicks. So, again, you can't bank on that. 
but the fact that you know he is firmly established and uh, is usually in the mix of things, you know, there were there were worse ways to kind of go uh, at this price point. So uh, that's definitely someone I would look at to have in my roster. Uh, another guy that is going to be making waves this year. Uh, I'd be surprised if he was a complete bust. Uh, I mean, 18 years old, he's going to move on from uh, Fulham eventually, I think. Uh, but the Ryan Sessegnon, uh is definitely someone who uh, was all the rage last year in the championship, got Fulham promoted. Uh, you know, he is definitely someone to keep an eye out on. Uh, like I said, uh, he's a $6.5 million player, but uh, he has potential to be a young talent that can uh, do uh, quite a bit. Now, I know there are folks who are going to kind of knock him and say, yeah, you can go cheaper with the likes of a Tom Carney. Uh, I, I just think uh, Sessegnon is just that much better in terms of ceiling-wise uh, that I think he's worth uh, taking a flyer on at $6.5 million. Uh, you know, if he doesn't pan out the first couple of weeks of the year, I get it uh, moving off from him. But I, I definitely see him as someone who can uh, break out in a big way, uh, uh, given his age. And, you know, with Fulham being a squad that's going to concede goals, they're going to need a score. Uh, I just think he's going to have a great opportunity to do so. So uh, that's someone I would uh, keep an eye out for uh, as the season moves along. Now, in terms of a couple other players uh, you guys can keep an eye out on. Also falling in the 6.5 tier, you've got Czech Fabregas and Pedro. You know, both on Chelsea. It's going to be interesting to see how Sarri uh, uh, manages that midfield. I mean, if Hazard uh, leaves, that's always uh, uh, a big question mark over that team. But, you know, the other guy you got to keep an eye out for is Ross Barkley at $6 million. Uh, just because Barkley didn't feature pretty much at all last year. Uh, you know, do I – I'm not a big fan of Ross Barkley, but, you know, could he factor in the squad? Yeah, and, you know, it really depends on those first couple of weeks. So uh, Chelsea is a situation that I would say keep an eye out for the first uh, month or so of the season because I think you're going to get a sense of how sorry he's going to run that team. And once that starting 11 set, it, you know, it doesn't, like, at least uh, from his past uh, managerial spots, uh, uh, especially in Napoli, he didn't really rotate all that much. So uh, I, I would look at, like, once you, you kind of get a sense of who's staying there, you already know who's going to kind of be out the door. So uh, Fabregas and Pedro are two guys that should definitely feel like they're on the chopping block. I think Barkley might get a reprieve. So he might be the biggest beneficiary out of all this. Uh, other guys to take a look at, Eric Lamella at Tottenham. Uh, wasn't in the uh, World Cup, uh, so given the fact that uh, uh, Son, uh, also known as Korean Messi, uh, was uh, heavily involved at the World Cup, you know he may still be a bit uh, further behind uh, in terms of uh, – being uh, ready to play to begin the year. So Lamella might actually get some playing time, uh, although I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Theo Walcott is someone you can take a look at just uh, because of Marco Silva. I think he gets the best out of it, what's ever left in the tank of his players. So uh, if Wally can stay healthy, 
uh, you know, he can put up uh, goals in bunches. The problem is he can't stay healthy. So you got to ride away from when you can and then sell high as soon as you uh, get the opportunity to. Uh, other and, uh, folks to kind of keep an eye out for, uh, uh, there's uh, Diogo Jota at uh, Wolves. Uh, definitely uh, someone who put up uh, uh, quite a bit of goals last year in the championship. So it's always interesting to see when you got a guy who scored a ton of goals at the championship level. Uh, once he comes up to the Premier League, can that translate? So uh, he's someone to keep an eye out for. Uh, now, in terms of guys that uh, can be, you know, on the way out, uh, you've got Juan Mata. Uh, he's not going to play that much at Man U. Uh, but if he gets transferred into Premier League, that's someone you could take an eye out on. Uh, it's, it, 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 keep an eye out for it just to see where he moves to. Uh, so not someone you want to feature uh, week one at all, but uh, someone you can keep an eye out for because at six and a half mil, if he ends up on another Premier League team, he can be an offensive force. It's just he needs to be in the right situation and someone to play the defense because he can't play a lick of it. Uh, now, in terms of the seven million bracket, uh, now you're getting the range of Anthony Martial, William. Uh, you know, these are really talented guys who don't really <laughs> don't really play all that much. Uh, it, it, it's it's tough, uh, but uh, you know, maybe uh, Martial uh, can get some uh, decent playing time with Mourinho this year. Uh, but uh, you know, that is a curious situation uh, because between Martial and Rashford, I, I don't know if those guys can go extend playing time again this year without just demanding a uh, transfer out of uh, Manchester United. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for it on the situation-wise. If you do happen to select them, you know, if you don't see them uh, playing early on, get out as soon as possible. You cannot have uh, that much salary that's basically uh, being a rotational piece because you can't plan out your team that way. Uh, even though you got an auto sub uh, feature in the premier uh, fancy Premier League game, uh, that's not a way you want to uh, be going week to week. Uh, William at seven and a half million, uh, you know, William has a chance here to really make an impact, provided that Chelsea doesn't sell him. Because uh, again, sorry, you no you never know. Uh, and you know, again with. Uh, the amount of offers going out uh, back and forth uh, between transfer news regarding Hazard, you know, until they get settled, uh, you know, you can't necessarily commit to uh, a Chelsea midfielder at this point, in my opinion. I think you got to wait it out a couple of weeks. Uh, another guy to focus on is uh, Keita at Liverpool. Uh, I mean, he comes in, uh, you know, there's a lot of hype. I think it's deserved. Uh but, you know, you also have a number of other attacking options at Liverpool. Uh, Shaqiri's another guy, $7.5 million. I think it's a little bit overpriced because I'm not sure uh, what Shaqiri's role is going to be other than basically being a backup because I don't think you, you can play a headstrong player like Shaqiri with Mane. And I'm not sure if Shaqiri uh, can even accept being on a bench role. So that's a situation that could be very volatile early on in the season. 
So I'm very curious to see how Jurgen Klopp manages uh, that group because it's a lot of talent, but sometimes you can have too much talent, and with certain egos and personalities in the mix, you know, guys may not be willing to accept their spot in the pecking order. Now, I shudder to bring up this name, but you got uh, Aaron Ramsey at seven and a half million, being overpriced because you got Mkhitaryan at seven million. I don't understand how Aaron Ramsey could be more expensive than Mkhitaryan. Now, granted, uh, Arsenal doesn't play any defense, so uh, you know you're not going to be worried about clean sheets. Basically, this is just about goal returns. Aaron Ramsey is not that. <laughs> Uh, prolific of a goal scorer anymore. He's a good three years removed off of what might have been. And the fact that Ramsey is a target that could be sold off uh, this year uh, with uh, Arsenal, given the fact that, you know, I don't think uh, Unai Emery is looking to keep uh, Ramsey long term. I think he's going to try to cycle out some of these guys uh, that were Wenger guys. Ramsey might not be very long for Arsenal. So I will look at Mkhitaryan well ahead of uh, Ramsey at this point, especially given the fact that it's cheaper. Uh, so it, it's someone uh, you can keep a lookout, an eye out for. Uh, also in the 7 million range, you got Mikel Antonio uh, at West Ham. Uh, and, of course, uh, I would be remiss without mentioning Jesse Lingard at Manchester United again rotation in and out of the lineup but when he plays he can put up results it's just you know you can't guarantee uh the playing time but uh, the guy who you know played out of his mind last year i, I think that was uh, th- the only guy i had in my roster from week one all the way through week 38 is pascal gross at uh brighton it, you know the only guy i can think of that created more chances for his team last year is Kevin De Bruyne because I think it's just uh, a case where uh, Gross just did such a great job that you know the, the price hike is over a million uh, this year so uh, he went up from <laughs> from being a five million uh, player to seven million this year uh, I would say that it's going to be hard to duplicate that performance because as well as he played, Brighton, to me, has not improved substantially to justify that price point early on in the season. i got to see how Brighton performs because I think uh, teams started to figure out down the stretch of the year, you know, if you focus on uh, Gross and limit his ability to make passes out, uh, you can limit Brighton's attack. So uh, that is a, a case where... I'm a little bit cautious about uh, committing uh, committing to uh, uh, Gross just because of the fact that I don't think that team really made much of a uh, of a benefit for itself uh, to actually get themselves in the mix. So, uh, moving on, we are basically going to be talking about, and I uh, would call them the big six. Uh, it, you know. It, it, for all intents and purposes, uh, uh, you know, the midfielders that go above $8 million are playing for the major six teams. Uh, so you got Manchester City, you've got Arsenal. Yes, Arsenal is still in the big six, along with Liverpool, Man City, uh, Chelsea, 
I mean, United, they're all in the mix, Spurs. So they're all in the mix uh, of having top-tier midfielders. So in terms of the guys we've been looking at, I would say Manchester City are the team that you're going to be looking at the most. So uh, City made an acquisition after winning the title last year. They got Riyad Mahrez from Leicester City. And, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, what happens here because uh, I, I basically uh, can say this uh, without uh, mu- uh, much certainty. Raheem Sterling being priced at $11 million is a joke. Raheem Sterling scored a ton of goals last year, but he was very fortunate to score some of those goals. Uh, and his scoring average... Uh, was highly inflated because of the chance created by uh, De Bruyne. I definitely see uh, Riyad Mahrez carving up Sterling's point production as a whole. I, I really, really would say, you know, Sterling's ownership uh, has to be significantly cut down this year. There's no way. I mean, Sterling was an $8 million player that ballooned up to over nine million, being priced at eleven million is like borderline suicidal. If you're trying to roster him on a squad, no, I, I that is like pretty much the. I would rather you take Paul Pogba of all people than Raheem Sterling at eleven million. I mean, at least Pogba's eight million. Uh, Sterling at eleven million is just crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, so moving on, uh, you got Mars at nine million. Uh, he is definitely going to put up points. I just don't know in terms of uh, the balance on this squad uh, if he's going to do enough to justify the point valuation. Same goes for Leroy Sané. I think Sané and Mares are going to take a lot of points from each other. Sané's at $9.5 million, uh, so he's a little bit higher. Uh, but I'm not sure if those guys are really going to be able to justify their price point because of how much uh, uh, there is to go around. Uh, you know, David Silva is the cheapest guy on City at $8.5 million. problem with David Silva is that there's so many other guys uh, on that team, and he, given his age, I think uh, there's a chance that Silva ends up being the odd man out uh, in this upcoming season. It depends on how Maris goes, but if Sterling you know, shows flashes, Pep may actually still give Sterling the nod over David Silva. So, uh, you know, I would be a little bit worried uh, about uh, trying to uh, work in David Silva into the roster just because you're trying to find a way to keep uh, City midfielders in. So to me, the guy I would uh, be looking at if I was looking at a City midfielder is Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, like, had just an incredible season uh, last year in the Premier League. I mean, just difference maker, top to bottom. Had a uh, fantastic World Cup as well, in my opinion. Uh, De Bruyne, you know, there really isn't any holes in his game right now. He's at the uh, peak of his career, uh, you know, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he manages uh, uh, to kind of ride the wave, if you will, and just maintain that level of consistency. I, I believe the same thing applies to Mo Salah. It, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing those two players 
uh, this year because I think they're the two best uh, players uh, in the Premier League this season. How those two players kind of handle playing as well as they did last year and being able to come back and do it again. So, uh, we're going to go uh, move on to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Deli Alley and Christian Eriksen are the two options here for midfield. Uh, Alley at 9 million, Eriksen at 9.5. You know, I would look at both of these guys. You know, if you're looking at uh, Solomon Ming at 8.5 million, I think, you know, it's just. I just don't see uh, Korea Messi being a factor at eight and a half million it's just too pricey when he was seven million last year yeah perfect eight and a half he doesn't play enough in my opinion Deli Alley also has this issue as well where you know the production wasn't really there last year when he got the price bump Erickson did put up the production and is still around the same price point last year so I, I don't have an issue doing Erickson uh Alley that's a bit of a reach uh, I, I just think that it's a bit of a reach. Uh, moving on, you've got uh, United. Alexis Sanchez coming over from uh, uh, Arsenal last year just did not do much of anything. Uh, you know, there is uh, there is some concern with Sanchez if he is already past his peak already now that he's... Uh, finally moved away from Arsenal. So, uh, you know, he didn't get to play in the World Cup because Chile didn't make it either. Uh, but uh, the first couple of weeks should be interesting because if Sanchez doesn't get going and Martial gets any playing time and starts putting up numbers along with Rashford, you know, I think Sanchez could be the guy falling out because, you know, Paul Pogba, you know, as much as I rip on him, he's going to factor in because, you know, he had a great World Cup. I think Mourinho wants to try to rebuild that relationship. Uh, I I just think that United has uh, the I would say the uh, the the schedule most beneficial to uh, Pogba, where they can actually get uh, maximize his value early on in the season. So uh, that is. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But uh, in terms of uh, players, uh, Pogba, you know, I think you're going to get a whole ton of Pogba detractors. Uh, he's 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 a classic case of more valuable in fantasy than he actually is in real life. But that's all I that 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 is what I could summarize Pogba as. Uh, then uh, you know, moving on, you've got. Uh, Arsenal, Mesut Ozil, eight and a half. You know, again, another classic case. More valuable in fantasy than in real life. Ozil is a terrible defender. Hasn't played well in two years, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the German national uh, team uh, basically threw Ozil under the bus and backed, o- uh, backed over him with it. Uh, you know, leading to him citing racism. Now, I think Mesut Ozil has been terrible for two years which is true, but I also think the German Federation only has themselves to blame because anyone could have told him that he was terrible for two years. So uh, I think while Ozil can make the claim that, you know, when he's playing well, he's a German, and when he's playing poorly, he's an immigrant, I think that's a fair comment. But the truth of the matter is, Ozil hasn't been good in two years. 
that, that's the long and short of it. Now, for fantasy purposes, we don't care about his real life production. It's just how many goals can he score? How many assists can he do for Arsenal? And the ch uh, chances are, you know, with Unai Emery, chances are they're still going to have good attacking options. So I still think there's a potential there for Ozil. Uh, I just won't be taking that early on. Uh, just not worth the effort. Now, if you're talking Chelsea, you got uh, Hazard, who, again, is subject to so many transfer rumors. I would stay away from Chelsea's midfield for the uh, early goings. You know, I got to see how this thing situation plays out because, to me, I wouldn't want to take a chance of getting hamstrung with Hazard uh, taking it easy because he wants to get moved out of Chelsea and it's not going to go full tilt and risk himself getting hurt. So that's just my, my take on the situation. Now, if we're uh, looking at the final guy, the question that becomes to Salah or not to Salah? Because Mo Salah on Liverpool was without question the biggest MVP of the history of the Fantasy Premier League. He, uh, he literally scored the most goals uh, in the Premier League season in a 38-game uh, season. He scored 32 goals, and his 303-point total was a record for Fantasy Premier League. The only issue with Mo Salah is the fact that he reached a peak so high, I think it's virtually impossible for him to even come close to it at this season. And the fact that he's priced at $13 million makes it really hard uh, to <laughs> to deal with this price increase. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, I, I just... I just look at that price tag and I have a real hard time dealing with that. I think you might be better off just going with a pairing of Keita and Firmino than doing Salah and not being able to afford uh, another Liverpool player. It, you know, it's that's just me. I, I, I know plenty of people who are going to have Salah on the roster. I tried doing different combinations with Salah. I may still try to do different combinations with Salah, even after uh, this report, to see if I can make it work on my squad. But as it stands, I got Salah off of the squad. Uh, but, you know, again, last year, no one had more penalty box uh, attempts, attempts on uh, goal, uh, chances created. I mean, Salah, again, was just... He was the best player in soccer last year. I I have a hard time finding anyone else other than making a case for anyone else other than Kevin De Bruyne. So that includes La Liga, that includes Messi and Ronaldo. I just have a real hard time not giving uh, Mo Salah Ballon d'Or uh, this year. It, it'd be a travesty of justice if he didn't win it. The only case I could make would be if uh, Kevin De Bruyne won it. So, moving on to the forwards. So, this is where, again, much like uh, kind of coming up with uh, your pricing point for uh, midfielders, you got to figure out what your budget is remaining. So, sometimes with forwards, people go with two premier strikers and then a budget forward just to kind of make ends meet, depending on how uh, the squad works. So in terms of uh, 
other guys uh, you can look at uh, in the budget bracket. Uh, you got uh, the four and a half million is the cheapest striker you can get. So uh, that would be Quanter uh, at Huddersfield. He ain't gonna score you any points. And then you have Kamara at Fulham, who probably is gonna be a bench player. Again, the only reason why those guys are getting selected is because of how cheap they are. Uh, outside of that, I can't really suggest any striker. Uh, until you come to the five and a half million bracket, and then you have Nias and Calvert Lewin at Everton. Only issue with uh, those guys is the fact that Czech Sun uh, was a late transfer and uh, sank. Uh, basically, took all the chances uh, at uh, forward at the end of the year. Marco Silva may give a, a chance to Nias and Calvert Lewin, but you know the issue with Calvert-Lewin is the fact that he is a notorious diver and the reason why he got so many points last year is because he dove all the time and referees gave him penalties. I don't know how he managed to get as many penalties as he did but, you know, c'est la vie. Uh, at this stage, I, like I said, I can't recommend any of these guys but I, I could see folks uh, uh, trying to go cheap uh, that way. Then at the $6 million bracket, you got the likes of uh, Ian Nacho and Daniel Sturridge. You know, again, none of these items are really all that appealing. Uh, you know, I just, you know, strikers a weird position this season. Because usually you, you might be able to spot a couple of uh, guys that are really uh, productive at uh, being cheap. But, uh, you know, the budget strike of this year really isn't there. Right? So I, I kind of look at it a case where you're, you're kind of stuck uh, going into, uh, uh, going into a, a case where you're going to be looking at minimum of $6.5 million. And that's where you get uh, the likes of Mitrovic at uh, forward. Uh, uh, so he just came over to Newcastle, uh, should get some chances. But then predominantly... I think uh, the seven million uh, is where you're going to get the the vast majority of uh, managers in the fancy Premier League are going to select players. So uh, you're going to have the likes of Wilfred Zaha at Crystal Palace. He may be tra he may be transferred out to a uh, bigger uh, Premier League club like Manchester United. Or, uh, going back to Manchester United, I should say. Uh, so there's always a chance of Zaha losing playing time because of that, but. For right now, he's still at Crystal Palace, where uh, that uh, that's where he's going to maximize his value. Marko Naltovic is uh, going to be at West Ham. He doesn't really have all that much competition, so he should be the lead striker there at seven million. You know, again, uh, should be uh, this would be along the lines of uh, uh, guys who. Uh, who can uh, get some uh, uh, get some value out of? Uh, moving on, you know, Marcus Rashford is also at seven million for Manchester United. Again, the issue being Rashford's got to be on the pitch. I, I'm just very concerned about Rashford getting the playing time. Uh, you know, even even with him being at seven million, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Uh, I I wouldn't risk it. Uh, Sanctosan at Everton I, I talked about him uh, you know Tosin put up decent numbers 
Uh, Nias and Calvert-Lewin are not very good, so I think uh, Tosun uh, has uh, some value there at the seven million mark if you're trying to differentiate from Zaha. But I think most people should be on Zaha. Uh, moving on, we're going to get into the final portion, which is the forwards that you should be looking at seriously. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, you need to be owning at least one of these forwards if you're going to be seriously contending because you got to score goals. There's no getting around it uh, in the uh, fancy Premier League. You know, while your midfielders can score goals, you know, the season that uh, Salah had, I, again, I can't see that ever getting duplicated in the way Salah did. Uh, you know, it just kind of broke the fantasy system where basically you had to have Salah on your roster. I, I don't think it'll necessarily get to that extent this year, but uh, uh, l- let's get right down to it. So uh, in terms of guys, you can look at it in the $9 million bracket for strikers. You got Jamie Vardy at Leicester uh, just because of, you know, uh, without Riyad Mahrez there, that team is going to be so dependent on Vardy. So I just think he's going to get fed the ball constantly. Whether or not he's going to get good service is an entirely different matter. But from the standpoint of I can see Vardy scoring a ton of points because of the fact that Leicester City is just going to feed him the ball, uh, that's a definite possibility. Roberto Firmino at Liverpool, 9.5. I think that's a bargain. Uh, To me... I would take Firmino uh, in a heartbeat uh, just because he was the most active and, and prolific striker for Brazil in the World Cup, even though he kept coming off the, the bench. But that's a, that's a function of the matter of Tite. Uh, uh, just, I, I, don't, I don't know why Firmino <laughs> kept coming off the bench. But, uh, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, Firmino with... Uh, uh, he he's gonna get he's gonna get him in there as often as he can. Other factors to come into play here, again, is the playing time. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, Alexander Lacazette at Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal's uh, playing style shifting to three four three definitely benefits Lacazette. So he's gonna be up top. Whether or not he can actually convert chances, still yet to be seen. Uh, with uh, Arsenal in the Premier League, uh, you know, because he had some stretches, but, you know, big question mark. Uh, So I'm not sold on that necessarily, but, you know, some folks uh, might actually take a gamble on him. Uh, Gabriel Jesus at $10.5 million, you know, I would rather take the extra half million and play Aguero, but I see folks uh, taking Jesus as well. To me... Kudaguero is just one of those guys that is going to get his goals. Uh, last year was the year to kind of be fearful that, uh, you know, it was a possibility that Jesus could seriously jeopardize Aguero's playing time, but it, it, it didn't happen. I, it, it ended up being a case where uh, you had uh, uh, Aguero playing significant minutes, so I, I think uh, you're fine to pl- a plug-and-play Aguero. Uh Jesus, I think, is more of a question mark. I, I think Jesus is more uh, a rotation risk than anyone else in terms of uh, Manchester City's rotation just because the amount of midfielders they have. I think 
the byproduct is the fact that uh, you might actually end up playing one striker up top with Pep. So uh, that's a definite concern uh, with Man City this year. Other factors that you look at at the top of the four uh, rankings, uh, you got uh, Pierre Aubameyang at Arsenal at $11 million. Uh, You also have uh, uh, Lukaku at $11 million from Man- uh, Manchester United. And Harry Kane, the most expensive forward available at $12.5 million for Spurs. You know, Kane is an interesting uh, character just from the standpoint of the last tail end of the season what didn't really look all that good uh and then the world cup you know had some flashes for england but again not exactly uh the uh the harry game we've seen in the uh, the prior two years so uh i'm very curious about uh, kane's ownership because I, I definitely think he's going to be one of the highest owned guys i'm i'm very curious about the uh amount though just because I think guys are going to try to uh, roster in Salah and Kane, and I think that's just going to leave a lot of rosters with very little uh, bench depth at that point. Uh, so I'm curious to see uh, where teams go because I think you know realistically, you know if you're uh, putting Salah on the team, then the only guy you're really going to be able to afford would be Firmino uh, if you want to keep uh, roster depth and. At the max, uh, you would take Aguero, uh, but uh, that's about it. So, you know, again, uh, while Kane uh, is someone that, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's a case where, you know, he scored 217 uh, fantasy points last year. You know, again, nothing to sniff at. It's just the amount of money you'd have to spend for him compared to it's like to me it's an even worse purchase than Salah uh it you know the valuation it's just too hard to put that up uh so I, I just would not be on Harry Kane's side you know I think uh you know in terms of strategies for fantasy uh Premier League you can always build value so basically it kind of works like the stock market where your players as they get more popular more managers transfer them in uh, the player's value can go up in worth, and then you can sell them at uh, half of uh, the gains that you get. Now, conversely, the player's value can also decrease, and you lose value in that player. Uh, you know, I just think that Kane's a classic case where he's so expensive, I think he might actually start to lose value because so many uh, owners are going to be on him early on in the season. I just don't think you're going to get that much ownership to really get significant price increases on Kane until he drops in value. So uh, that's just the kind of way I look at it uh, to, uh, overall. But, you know what, because we're already uh, well into uh, an hour and a half of uh, fantasy Premier League discussion, uh, and this was more of a primer to get new players ready, uh, I'll just leave with some closing thoughts here. So uh, just in terms of starting out, again, uh, you know, I threw out a bunch of names here, so I know uh, you might have to rewind parts of this podcast. But uh, realistically, uh, you know, you would want to have some balance in your roster. So, you know, again, think about some of the names I, I tossed out there in terms of the construction of your team. Think about you have a hundred million pounds total, so you don't uh, you don't want to necessarily 
uh, tie all that up in terms of your uh, attacking options. You got to have some allocated for uh, goalkeeping because there's you, you know, you got to have two keepers, uh, and you want to have uh, production out of there. So it's just a, a matter of uh, how can how can you manage everything. So uh, again, I would uh, take a look at it from the standpoint of. Uh, manage your, manage your, the team as best you can. Don't go all overboard in the early part because you want to keep some flexibility uh, for uh, what you've got in place and, uh, and see where it goes. But, you know, overall, I think uh, Fantasy Premier League is a fun uh, league to participate in with friends. Uh, you got a long season, so you got lots of ways of like kind of catching up in the standings uh, in terms of value and, and, and the points. So, you know, I think definitely think it's a case where, you know, you choose your roster and then you kind of make accommodations as needed. Uh, you're not hamstrung with one guy going down with season-ending injury, your team's done. Uh, I, I definitely think you got flexibility when, uh, with the Premier League where you can start making adjustments on the fly and you can keep yourself in it uh, if you're creative enough. So, again, have fun. Uh, pl uh, play this one back through a couple of times. Of course, you can poke fun at me and say how wrong I was uh, with my assessment uh, to begin the year. But, uh, again, these are all uh, things that you can kind of factor into when coming up with your initial rosters. And then as the season plays out, you'll hear more of my commentary on it. So that's going to do it for now. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, best of luck to you in the upcoming season that starts on Friday. Have a good one, folks. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, <laughs> I'll take Giselle, okay? Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.